what have you seen change in nutrition over time? I mean, 11 years of competitive cycling, besides maybe the amount of carbs, um, maybe your fueling strategy or just what do you, what kind of like comes to mind as you think back to what you used to do versus now? Yeah. Well, I think probably the recovery aspect of uh, nutrition, mm. like post, post-workout, you know, Sometimes we just focus on, yeah, sometimes we just focus on like, yeah, I got to get my protein shake after workout, you know, but you also have, need to have in mind that um, like as endurance athletes or, or aerobic sports, like we need to also keep focusing on carbs after the ride, you know, be able to, to be able to replenish those glycogen levels, glycogen stores back, back into stable, stable uh, levels to be, to be, ready for the next day make sure that we are recovered properly mm-hmm. and that's how i like also like i still like split them up after the workout trying to get around 60 60 grams per hour or 90 grams per hour like studies have shown that that also not just getting a big meal after the workout so you get better absorption and glycogen replenishment if you like still split them up in like probably three three meals after the ride three small meals after the ride mm-hmm. so that that really has helped me a lot uh, leading up to like the next training session that's you know man i need to i was really strict about that and i think that did help me stay like super lean because you're never your body's never like oh this is too much and converting it into fat now yeah. i was chat I, I shouldn't even say chatting i'd asked asker jukendrup on twitter and he's very much into like the big meal thing he's like no your body will figure it out if there's glycogen stores available like if there's room to store it it'll store glycogen other studies say that it can't, the body can't process it. I really don't know. Like, I think it's probably individualized to some extent. Yeah. You know? And like, I think that's the one thing now going back to all the data on metrics. I love science, but now everyone takes one study and what Frank Overton calls like the internet cycling uh, scientist. I found this one study. Now this applies to everybody and I'm guilty of it. We like hear something. We're like, Oh, I got to do that now. Whereas we should really be thinking, does this really, is this true for my body? Like, let me try, let me, let me take this. Let me test it. Let me take this. Let me test it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean like studies are there for, no, go ahead. uh, Like studies are there for support, like getting ideas for us to like put into practice. But yeah, like everybody's different. So so we just need to be smart enough to like get those, get the different studies and try and try them in, in ourselves, you know, because we, from studies, we know what works, what doesn't work. So mm-hmm. there's so many things that work. So we need to like try those different things and see which one works in our bodies, you know, because we are all different, <clears throat> but yeah, people is like, just, just read one study and says like, yeah, this study said this works. So that's what it works, you know, mm-hmm. but you, you need to put it into practice and see if it works on you, you know, it's like there because are like, some, go ahead yeah i didn't mean to cut like, you um, off. yeah like some some studies all, are only based on like a very very specific population or different sports so mm-hmm. that's something that can restrict the results you know? it's also like just how interconnected everything is there's so many factors at play that are impossible to touch on for every athlete in every study and just like you nailed it. It's a study can support something, but you need to put it into practice and find out if it works for you and give it a fair shot. And um, yeah, it's just a really good, great point that with that, what do you think are 
taking your experience from yourself growing as a cyclist, taking your experience um, as a coach, what are some, not missteps, maybe what are some tips for the newer cyclist listening to this that is trying to take himself to the next level? This is a really general question, but maybe like whether it's nutrition or training, anything come to mind is just like, good habits that we could help newer cyclists latch on to? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think what I was telling you about my my good habits was probably like be consistent with your recovery routines or like like recovery routine is still part of your training. Mm -hmm. Training is not just, well, like when you leave the house and go for the ride and come back. So training is also your, your sleep, your recovery, be it like making sure you are like uh, probably stretching or working your flexibility or strength, recovery, nutrition. So just uh, also pay attention to those little things that at the time, like at the time, at the time that you're like lining up in a race, they all like add up and it's probably like a 5%, 10% of your overall fitness. So, so embrace the lifestyle aspect of cycling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lifestyle. Figure it out. Yeah. <clears throat> you mentioned the word yeah. routine. Do you have any race routines that um are you very routine like on race day or the couple days before at all? Mm. Uh, I think the race race day routine is just just making sure that I that I eat um like between 4 to 3 hours before a race. That's the only thing that I that I care the most because it's what what affects me if I if I eat like an, a two hours or one hour before a race, and I, I know I'm, I'm just gonna like throw everything out the window, you know. It's gonna <laughs> be, the gonna, window. <laughs> it's gonna be a, yeah, a, a bad a bad day, you know. What so you, I'm making sure that I'm eating the the proper food. You know? What's Pablo eating on race morning? Uh I go between like rice and eggs, like very simple, like white rice and scrambled eggs. Or I do oats, mm-hmm. oats and also eggs. Mm-hmm. Or uh, yeah, I think those are my two to go right to go meals mm-hmm. before before a race. Just keep it simple. Make sure that you're not having like GI GI distress in the mm-hmm. race and something that goes digests quickly. So, what do you think yeah. of carb loading? Carb loading, yeah, I like I I like the, the idea of carb loading. I mean, like the same with the research. Like some research says like. Yeah, like uh, three days before before a race, you gotta start uh, loading up your glycogen levels, glycogen stores. And some study says like it's not really necessary as long as you have a good a good meal before the race. I mean, yeah. a good dinner the night before a race, you should be good good with that. But but yeah, I I do it for for longer events or even like state races where where you know that you're gonna have like many days. Uh, mm-hmm. depleting yourself to to a max so those day those type of races i i focus on on mm-hmm. like uh, bumping up my my carb intake for for the days leading into the race and so how do you do that do you are you actually looking to count carbs or are you just leaning your diet more towards carbs or are you also eating a little bit more than normal to get more carbs yeah i normally eating more um I don't count the calories or the macros like uh, that that I eat, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, I I I focus my my diet towards and towards the carbo carbohydrates instead of and I and I reduce the fiber aspect of the of my diet like the three days before for a race. So like all the salads, all the the veggies that I do, I try to reduce that. 
I mean, not that I'm going to do a lot of refined carbs those days leading into the race, but I started to reduce the fiber because that like takes a, takes a few more days to like digest or makes you retain more, more water in the days leading into the race. So that's, that's my nutrition. As I was talking to somebody else about that. I think Adam Hansen was big on that on a podcast of reducing the fiber. And he said, it's like, you're like two to three pounds lighter be, simply because of you don't retain as much water from the fiber still going through your body that you, as you said, just takes longer to digest. So what's your, so you doing more like bread and pasta and so not like fruit or veggies or how, yeah, what's, I still yeah. do veggies, but maybe instead of uh, steaming them, I boil them or something like that, you know, like things, just the, maybe the, the cooking, the cooking aspect of the veggies, I just do them a little more. I still get the veggies sometimes, but. So jump question, does that take fiber out of them? Yeah. So the more you cook them, the less fibrous, the, the, okay. the veggies is it, you know. I didn't know that. Learning. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. That's they, the thing I learned today. Yeah, sometimes if you just like steam them a little bit, they're still crunchy. So they have a lot of like, for example, broccoli is a very crunchy, mm-hmm. crunchy uh, veggie. If you like, <clears throat> if you steam them, I mean, steam them at a, at a good point. Not like they get like dark green <laughs> like you ever do them. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. But, but yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> What's, yes. What do you think is uh, like maybe crazy fads or some things that people are a little too into right now, um, maybe types of training or things that everybody's talking about now, but won't stick around for a while. Uh, I don't, I'm, I don't know. I'm top of my mind of one right now. Okay. Mm, we still yeah, I don't know. Maybe like intermittent fasting or like, I like, I've, I've been hearing a lot of like keto, keto diets. I mean, the ketones, I've been like a lot okay. into the, into the, into the cycling world right now like um they're still like into test i mean they i was reading into like uh yumbo visma have been like taking keto ketones for for race days like are more flat and then maybe they might have like a very fast finish or uphill finish so you can you can reserve the glycogen levels through the easy part or the flat part of the stage and then rely on ketones as a main energy source and then once you hit the fastest part of the race, that's when you like start relying on, on carbohydrates or, or actually glycogen when you need more sharpness to be mm-hmm. delivering for, at the end of the race. Mm. Interesting. But I don't know how hard, how long is that going to be? Because I heard it's very, very expensive to, to acquire those. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. That, that was the biggest thing, like mitigating others from trying it. Um, yeah. What's... Uh, what about mindset? Like, how do you approach races? Do you think, do you just show up and race or are you doing any like visualization or things to get your mind right? And is it something that you think can be coached at all? And if so, like, how do you help athletes do that? Cause I think, you know, confidence is a big thing with a lot of people. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. What do you think about mindset? Yeah, I think mindset <clears throat> Yeah, especially for newer athletes where where they want to like they want to get faster, stronger, like in a very short period of time. Sometimes if they have a bad day, they they psychologically get down. So it's it's like trying to get, get them like, no, trying to get them like to understand that that progression is not always linear. 
mm-hmm. that you're always going to have like some bad days and then you're going to keep improving. But when, <clears throat> when, especially with newer cyclists that, that that happens very often and they're not used to like seeing those days where they fa- fail a workout or things like that, just got to keep them and keep them, remind them that, that progression is not always linear and you're going to keep progressing, you know, keep them advising that. So yeah, that's, trying that's to see I mean. the big picture as opposed to just that few workouts that don't go well or yeah it's yeah, tough too because with all these metrics it's like we talk about repeatability and like you know you you can go out and do these efforts super fresh but then you get to a race and you don't see the same numbers it's like well because you're doing them you know an hour and a half later than normal that i would hope you don't do the same numbers or we did something wrong in the training session but it's hard yeah. to show like capacity like how many times can you do this five times how late in a race can you do that and when athletes don't see that or or i i don't want to say like buy into but it's it's not with so many metrics you can't always put a metric on everything and that can be confusing to people like how do i know that i'm faster it's like dude how do you not know you're faster look at what you did at the end (laughs) of the bike ride (laughs) yeah yeah especially like on like higher end intervals like when people like those are more prompt to to fail you know like vo2 max intervals like if they like a ten with ten watts decrease in like in the, the third four interval, there's like quit. No, this is not. I'm not having a good day, so I'm just gonna quit and try to do it the next week and see if I can hold a certain power, certain power for all six intervals or seven intervals. You know, mm-hmm. so that's the thing that you gotta just keep pushing to like to get those intervals because your heart rate is still there for each of the intervals. Just power is decreasing. What? So you're just getting that adaptation. You know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What do you think you would, you know, on a micro scale, we're talking about pushing uh, through a workout. What's motivating you as an athlete? What's keeping you going 12 years into this thing? Um, what's kind of driving Pablo? Uh, I think it's been like, yeah, it's, like you said, it's like a lifestyle. So it's a lifestyle that I have fallen in love. So I just, I just like being in the, in the environment of like training and getting better, progressing in the racing environment. And now that I'm, I'm coaching, so it's something that motivates the athletes as well, that see, seeing me active and things like that. So, and also like seeing them crushing workouts is something that really motivates me as, as well, you know, not just like writing, hey, you gotta, you gotta do this, this and that. And then I'm like here sitting in the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I have those days where I'm like, I can't go home now. I just put a podcast out that you can't leave your ride early. Like you need to suffer through this thing and get it done. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> it's really funny. I had a tough day yesterday and one of the guys, we have a WhatsApp chat and he was like, Hey, it looked like from the title, you had a pretty rough day. I was actually kind of happy to see that. Like it made me like we were human together. And I was like, dude, it was, you know, being able to relate to someone else in their success and their failure, I think is a really strong thing. And I think is really cool about the endurance community, having things like Strava, having other athletes to talk to. Um, Cause it is, it is tough. You know, like a lot of people were going to work. We've, we're dealing with family. You're trying to go out and do these hard workouts. You're trying to get ready for races. It's, life is a challenging thing. And when you want to be an adult endurance athlete, you're just adding another thing into the mixture. Uh, so I always, I think like, I, I don't know. I said it on one podcast. I'm like, man, if you are training, if you are towing the line at an event, you are winning. Like it is so much easier to not do any of this, let alone try and make yourself like a better human each day by just going out, embracing the lifestyle, 
one day at a time. It's a slow grind for endurance sports, but the payoff yeah. is huge. It just like you should, we should, we need to pat ourselves on the back more often. I think we're <laughs> very yeah. critical of when we don't hit that VO2 max effort, but exactly. we crush the workout and we just expect to. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What's, exactly. um, you had mentioned one time you had a, a, you went to U23 Worlds, didn't you, on the road? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, tell us about yeah. that experience. And you had also mentioned, I don't know if this was tied in to that event, but when you were kind of at a crossroads thinking like, hey, this is my last chance to do well. Um, mm-hmm. were you, what was your mind thinking of like, hey, if I don't do well at this race, am I going to stop competing? Or what was kind of going on at that age? Yeah. Yeah, I, I went to Worlds in 2014 in Spain, Ponferrada. I think it was one uh, Ketowski won Worlds in the, in the lead. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I, I had that as a decisive year. That was my second year racing in, in Europe, in Spain. Mm-hmm. And then that was my last year as a U23. And I, and I said, like, okay, this is the year where I want to, like, get good results and see if I can get, if I can get to the next step, like, like maybe get a contract with a better team or, or a team that give me more opportunities to, to grow. And then I was like, okay, I'm going this year, like all or, all or nothing. And that was the year where, where worlds was going to be in, in, in Ponferrada in Spain. And I was already there. So my national federation didn't have to really do, do a lot to, to get me there because like Honduras has a, it's a very low income uh, federation. So we have to deal a lot with like our own, on things to like success succeed from them mm-hmm. so i was like okay this is the year, the year where i need to do, to do good and being my last year to new three was like you get a chance to to get the, to get to the next step so so that year in the spring i was like i was in the breakaway in, in one of the races one of the bigger races in spain <clears throat> and and i had a really bad crash going into the sand i went into the cliff and broke my collarbone my jaw was dislocated and so I went straight into the hospital, getting the ambulance. So that took me out for like, for like two months. I was just recovering and I was getting a little frustrated because I, that, that was my year, what I wanted to, to do good. And I was worlds and I was, that was worlds was, was my, my main, uh, my main goal for, for the year, because I mean, you know, like so many teams in there watching and, and team directors watching. So, so doing good there was, was key. And then, I got recovered after two, three months of, of the injury. And, and that was just like uh, two months away from Worlds. So I was like, well, I need to get in the bike. <laughs> and I need to get in the bike. And I, and I couldn't ride while I was, I was recovering. My body was just destroyed, you know, from that, from that crash. Oh. Yeah. And then I got surgery, got surgery in my collarbone. I got it fixed. And, and a week after surgery, I was on a trainer just getting ready. And then I, I I went to Worlds and did and didn't really didn't really perform that as I wanted. I was there, so I was like, I'm already here. I'm gonna take this opportunity. It's like a one one in a lifetime opportunity. So I took it and 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 went. Didn't didn't went like like I was expecting mm-hmm. to go because of the crash, not in enough preparation. And then <clears throat> that year didn't go as well. So. I keep I kept writing. That's when I that's when I came back to the to, to the United States, and and started uh, started college racing collegiate, and now I'm getting back into that level where I wanted to be. Now that I'm finishing with with uh, with school. 
But yeah, like uh, worlds, like talking about worlds, that that was like really cool experience because like I didn't get the support from my federation. I just I just got the opportunity from them to like sign me up and everything. Mm-hmm. So it was just me, the team, the team mechanic from my from my Spani- Spaniard team. Mm-hmm. He was like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go with you. Get me the get me the the carnet for uh, like like the passport to be like one of the federation assistants. So I was like, deal, let's go. So after like a state race, we just drove from, we just drove like eight hours from the end of the straight race was like Volta Cantabria. And then we drove to Worlds to Leon and we stayed there and uh, the mechanic didn't speak any English and I barely speak English by then. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I was like, okay, dude, we gotta go to the team director meeting. And then we, we went to the team director meeting and I was the only writer there <laughs> to, <laughs> to be there. <laughs> and we were like, we were just like trying to understand everything in, in English, oh and then, and that was like like Team GB directors, yeah, like Sky, like it was a Sky back then. All these big teams, the team directors there in the team meeting, and it was funny just me there. You like, like walk you know. in like waving your little Honduran flag. You're like, I'm here. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Yeah. yeah, and the same when I went to pick up my number, I had to sign for my for my team director. And I and and they saw like the 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 writer was the same name as the team director, so I was like, "Oh, you're the same team director, you know?" Yeah, that was, that was pretty, like pretty it's cool. me, one of one. What? Yeah, and then, so how did you? When did you start? When did you learn English? So I started English like I did till like fifth, like from first grade to fifth grade. I was in a bilingual school, but I learned the very basic. Mm-hmm. And then I went to Spain and I couldn't even speak any English. So I was just, when I was there, I wasn't going to school. So after high school, I took four years, five years off. I was just racing bikes full time. Oh, wow. Okay. So I, I never thought I would, I would come back to college and university. Like I never thought like, like college was for me. I just wanted to be a, a pro cyclist and everything. So <clears throat> I was taking That's amazing this- because you're so like studious and in- <laughs> have a grad yeah, went to grad like school in, and like went totally the other way yeah like in 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 high school i i was a bad student like i don't know how did i pass but i passed i graduated from high school and because i was just thinking on on like i, I was in class just waiting seeing at the watch like oh, oh it's time to go ride already so i was just wait i was just looking forward to get out of school and go ride go train like and and then and then yeah i went to, to I was in Colombia for like a year and then to Spain for two years in all this time that I took off after, after high school. And then when I came to the United States after, after uh, the crash that I had, I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be here. I was like with a tourist visa. I'm going to be here and see if I can find a team, go to races, Valley of the Sun, uh, San Dimas State Race, Tour of the Gila, uh, Cascade Cycling Classic. And I was doing well, but I wasn't getting any any opportunity of, of a team that they were like support me to stay here mm-hmm. and and keep racing. And and that and that's when I met the the MSU cycling coach. He offered me a scholarship to go to college, and I was like, man, I was like, uh, I I don't think I can do that. You know, <laughs> I was like, I don't think school is for me. Like I like cycling. I would like to go cycle for for school, but I don't I don't think I can I can do well in in classes and stuff and then so i i told that to my parent to my mom my parents and then and then they were so excited so i was like oh i think this is a good thing so i'm gonna i'm gonna give it a try because like if you join it if you join a college here you get like a a student visa mm-hmm. 
So mm -hmm. I can I could stay here. So I was like, okay, I get a student visa, and then I can stay here, and then see if I, I have more time to get a, to get in a better team. I can keep racing here, and then that's when I joined Arapaho Arapaho um, Resources that mm -hmm. it was previously DNA, mm -hmm. where we were teammates, you know, a few years back, two years back, a couple of years back. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, like I'm gonna I'm gonna stay here in the U.S. and I can get a better team. So yeah, the I did Hotter in Hell, which is a big race in Texas. Yeah. I did I did well there, and then I I got in this team at Arapaho Resources, which it was a good good team. We did really good races, and then I was like, okay, like I'm just gonna stay here in school, try to keep passing my classes so I can keep racing, <laughs> and then like I started to fall in love with like with like exercise physiology and learning about my body and training and all these things but the first year was really tough because i was like learning english like still learning english like i barely passed my uh sat exam and i was like going to tutoring classes every day and i had to probably be studying like three times more than a regular mm -hmm. student just to be to be able to understand each, each lecture and and do well on a test so it was like a lot of up and downs just like oh, i don't know if i can keep doing this like i was a year in into into college and i was like a lot of struggling with up and downs calling my family like 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 yeah you guys are proud of me because i'm in college but i don't know if i can do it but i kept pushing kept pushing like studying and i was getting with english and i was getting into them into the into my major classes like learning about my body and training and i was like oh i, I actually like this and I started being a better student. Then I ended up being one of the best uh, students in the in the in the class, you know. And I was like, and I and now I'm like, oh, I'm still here. So I <laughs> my master's as well. So yeah, now I'm in my master's working on my thesis, and it's something that I it, that I'm passionate about right now. So, Pablo, yeah. I had no idea because so for people who don't know me and Pablo, like we like we met through DNA racing. We've only known each other for. Two years maybe and yeah. i know you as this super studious person who was like oh yeah i'm going to get my master's like i just you know i assumed the like you went to college you got you were like oh i love this i'm going to get my master's so did you come to the you, you came to the states planning just to race to hit these big races and, and like yeah. what was the drive what made you want to do races in the u.s as opposed to all the ones in south america that you had done just different scene yeah different scene like <clears throat> I guess I, I came here in for the first time to the U.S. in 2010 as a junior to do the tour of the Gila. Mm -hmm. And I saw the environment, how they were organized, and and uh, that you can actually make some money or races. I mean, Europe is a big a big into cycling, but you can you don't make much money out of a race, you know, or like make a living out of it unless you get a salary. Mm -hmm. But just traveling to races, you don't do as you don't do as much. And then. Yeah, I like I like the races, how they were organized. The teams were really nice, and I was closer to family because mm -hmm. Honduras is just like a two three hour flight from from here, mm -hmm. so I could go visit more more often. And well, like being in Europe, it was like a one time in a year that I could fly because flights were really expensive and it was harder to travel. Yeah, harder to communicate because of the big time difference and things like that. So it it was a it was a a risk that I took, like being far from my family, just to to pursue my dreams of being in a, in a European team and and <clears throat> trying different different race racing environments and things. But I really liked it here, so I was like, I'm gonna give it one more try after that that bad year that I had. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's how I decided to stay to stay here and look for opportunities. Man, dude, I love I love this. So wait, <laughs> so what's so when do you finish the thesis? So I I, I will be graduating in December. Yeah. In December. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what's the plan after that? So after that, I'm gonna I'm gonna apply for OPT optional practitioner training. This is that year that you get after graduating to to work in a in your major field. So that's going to be either in a performance center or something related with your, uh, with your major. So I want to, I want to do that for, for a year and then go, go from there. Yeah. Would that uh, be in Texas or are there any, where are the best ones that if you could choose, where would you want to go? Do you know of like where these things are going on at the OPTs? Yeah, I get there's very, very better chances in States like Colorado or Utah where there's more endurance, endurance mm-hmm. sports uh growth so mm-hmm. i think those would be the spots to to be to start applying applying to or even arizona things like that yeah. wow so let's uh last question let's talk about pc endurance um mainly mm-hmm. t- tell me about the coaching who oh, like when did you decide you wanted to fully was this as you were getting into school and you're like hey i should like pass on this knowledge to other athletes or what sparked you to start up your coaching company? Yeah, well, like when when I was telling you that I was like just racing full time, I was like, "There's no way I could never be like a team director or a coach or something. I just want to be a cyclist, you know? I want to be a cyclist part of it." But then, yeah, like as I was, I was as college was going through, like I started getting in love with the with our passionate with the physiology of of the sports and fitness. Uh, that's when I started with the idea of like like coaching and i was learning more about about training peaks and all those things all the metrics and how can i track because i was very detailed with my training i, I like to, to like analyze after every training right and things like that so and then a friend of mine like asked me like hey like do you mind like like coaching me because he knew that i was passionate about it and i mm-hmm. and i was always like giving him advice and things like that so that's how that's how everything started with uh pc endurance coaching yeah and so, um, is PC, do you, you post, so you kind of post, what's the Instagram handles first? And my question was, you do post a lot of stuff in Spanish or do you post some stuff in English on PC endurance also? Is it a mixture? No, right now I just, I have been doing like Spanish. Okay. So I, I started the brand like, uh, back in Honduras. Yeah. Yeah. I <clears> so love, like, did you make the logo? Yeah. Yeah, I love I mean, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it looks super crisp and I'm just like, Ooh, that looks like I would wear that. So maybe yeah. I need to get a PC endurance, some gear from you. Full yeah. disclosure. I tried to get Pablo to join Evoke, but he's like, dude, I kind of got my thing going here. And I have the utmost respect for that entrepreneurial drive that you have. Um, yeah. I'm still going to try and steal you from your own business, but we'll see. What happens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's going to be a great PC endurance by evoke trip to Honduras. We do. We have to make this happen now that we're putting this out on the internet. So yeah, that'll, um, that'll be awesome. Awesome experience. I, I was talking to Brandon a lot, and uh, I was like, "So have you ever heard about driving to Honduras?" He's like, "Is that even possible?" And I was like, "I think so." I'm going to talk to Pablo about this. And we're going to take the camera van. So yeah. oh man, this would be amazing. Pablo, we're coming up on an hour. I don't want to take uh, your whole day. I hope you enjoy the long rides. I truly appreciate you doing this, sharing your athlete experience, but your coaching experience. And it really seems like 
you know, one thing I was going to ask you that you kind of answered in a bunch of different questions was like, what do you see yourself having to adapt to as you move through like cycling training and growth? Um, is there an answer that comes to your head? Uh, I'll share what I think your answer might be, but what do you think about that? Like, as you can, do you think you'll be an endurance athlete your whole life? It sounds like you'd like this lifestyle. What do you see yourself having to adapt to as you grow through this, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I see myself as an endurance athlete for athlete for, for, for now on, like I, I enjoy the long duration of, of this, of the sport. And I think I perform better, better on it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I like, like I said, I like learning about it. And, and I think I have a, a good base base on it. So that's, that's, uh, that's the words I want to incline, incline to. Yeah. In, in that's yeah. what I was, I was saying, I was like, he just really seems to have embraced the lifestyle aspect of like, you know, some of the biggest things that you pointed out were, it's not the hard session that is like, oh, you got to nail all the VO2 max efforts. It's, you need to recover from the efforts. You need to do all these little things. And so it's really good. Some things that I try to pass on to athletes that get stuck in that, like it's only big Watts. And so it's great to hear from another coach and super stellar athlete like yourself that it's like, yeah, those really are important. So do the little things, everybody listen to Pablo. And uh, it's at Pablo Cruz 504 on Instagram. Is that correct? Yeah, at Pablo Cruz 504. 504 is the, actually the, the code of Honduras. (laughs) <laughs> oh, really? I th- yeah. That's funny. I thought it was Texas the whole time. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. repping Texas hard. Um, <laughs> and it's at, is it PC Endurance Coaching? Yeah, PC Endurance cool. Coaching. I'll put the tags below here so people can see them. Awesome. But Thank thanks, you. dude. We'll uh, we'll talk soon and hope you have a good rest of the day. Enjoy those rides. Oh, yeah. It was nice talking to you. Thank you for having me here. Yeah, Pablo. See you, man. All right. See you. Bye-bye.